Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. to stop the Rileys. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's going. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown Eskimos. One time to score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It is the Edmonton Oilers bye week. Coming off a dramatic? Sure, why not? one nothing shootout win over the Montreal Canadiens yesterday afternoon. Shot. Scoops it up at center. In over the line, left to right. Puck bouncing. Rich shot score! And Dreisaitl recognized that puck was hopping all over the place, so he just let fly, and it worked out. Talbot can win it right here. He needs one save, and the three-game losing streak is over. Pacioretty, 29% career. In over the line. Talbot needs a save. Rich shot. Denied! Cam Talbot, a shutout! Well, Cam Talbot doing it again for the Oilers. He's so good, the other goalie gets a shutout, and Talbot still wins the game. He keeps rolling for the Oilers, who are 29-18-8 on the season. They don't play again until Saturday when they host Chicago. The Super Bowl, my goodness, what a game. We'll talk about that as we roll along tonight. Huge talking point, obviously, in the uh, not just the world of sports, in the world, I think. And uh, congratulations to Gord Thibodeau, now the winningest head coach, in the history of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, White Court beat one of his old teams, Fort McMurray, on Friday. It's going to be great to catch up with Gord at uh, 7.05 tonight, a guy I've known for, well, pretty much 17 years since uh, he was coaching in Lloyd Minster and I was doing sports there. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight and a very special guest in studio, a veteran of 437 NHL games, all of them brilliantly played. <laughs> it's former Edmonton Oiler Dave Lomley. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you, Reed? Brilliantly. Yeah. Your nose is growing, man. Well, you know, with the time and memory, I just remember all the brilliance. Every goal was end-to-end, top shelf. Top shelf, uh, right under course. the That's what I tell my daughter, yeah. Uh, 98 career goals, which will round up to 100. You don't have to go through all those stats. Just, just, like, just like we do with Robert. <laughs> Two Brown's Stanley Cups, that's the, qu- that's the, that, that, the that's, main thing right there. That's, that's, the, that's the important one. Look, uh, we, should, we should start with the, the topic du jour. Did you watch the Super Bowl or into the football? Absolutely, yeah. It, what a comeback, huh? comeback for the age like the biggest comeback all time right yeah and uh it brought back memories of my high school football career i was a wide receiver on a team so where was this in uh, toronto okay. in scarborough and we ran the ball every play <laughs> <laughs> i had the same speed at a wide out as i did as a right wing as a hockey player so yeah i never saw the ball so year. sometimes that happens in the younger levels of, of, of football the coaches don't like to risk throwing the <laughs> like did you did they even say was, was there even a pass in the playbook no 
No, 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 no. But I look good out there. You were just a blocker who lined up further away yeah. from the ball. I don't know what it was. Like I, My best friend was the quarterback, and we played catch all the time on the weekends and stuff, and he threw it to me on the weekends, but never during the game. I could never figure it out. Did you get? Did you play both ways? Were your defense as oh, well? Of course, yeah. 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 Were you cornerback? I was cornerback. Yep. And so you must have got a couple picks then. Oh, a whole bunch of picks. So you, so here's the thing. you only got to touch the ball on defense. My nose is growing like unbelievable right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I, I do. That's that's the true definition of irony. Are you a Tom Brady and Patriots hater, like a lot of people? Uh, well, here's 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 my answer. Uh, I as as a person i do not cheer well, you for are boston as well as outside of being a media person okay. i don't cheer for boston area sports teams really I, i've always despised the the bruins uh i i didn't get swept up on the red sox bandwagon when they finally won it and so then by extension i just decided to not like the patriots or celtics either now do i appreciate them do I acknowledge that they've had one of the best 20-year runs in the history of any of the four professional sports? Absolutely. Do I cheer for them? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't get the hating part. Like to me they're like so professionally run and there's hardly any stuff, you know, with it uh, in the newspapers while well, the one guy gets he did murder someone. But oh, Aaron, other than Aaron that, Hernandez, I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, other than that, well, Brady Bel- got suspended for, for yeah, <laughs> but football. I just is that what it is? They think they're cheating somehow, but you can't cheat for friggin' so many years. Well, no, row. they're they're incredibly well run, really they're well incredibly run. well organized. They have a system that works that they can plug different players into. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't hate them. But that's different from not cheering for them. I mean, there's Dave, as you know, there's no rationale to no. really cheering for a sports team or not cheering for a sports team. See, I went to school in New Hampshire. I was an hour north of Boston, mm-hmm. so we cheered on all those. We went to tons of Red Sox games. Loved it. We actually uh, <laughs> we went down for opening day one, one uh, spring, and the guy was supposed to get us tickets, and he didn't get them, so they were, they were sold out. So if you ever look at the left down the left field line at Fenway Park, outside of the park there's a huge billboard. It used to be a Sitco billboard, way, way up high. And there was about fifty of us that scurried like climbed up that, you know, the, the supports for the for the billboard. And we were all we were watching the Red Sox game from up there and mm-hmm. then some idiot threw a beer bottle. Oh. Well, you should have seen us coming down because we could see the fire trucks coming and the cops were coming. We were all like, there was like fifty monkeys, you know, just scurrying down this thing and running for, running for their lives. So that was when you were playing hockey for New Hampshire. Yeah, you go down. You go down to a few games. Yeah. Uh, now, but let me let me say this to you. I, I, I know you just said I, I don't get the hatred, but but I would say again, there's there's no rationale to a sports to being a sports fan, and you can't tell me, Dave, that if the Calgary Flames went on a run where they won six Stanley Cups in 15 years, that you'd sit back and say, well, good for them. That's fine. I don't, well, of course I don't not. Well, they're our rivals. <laughs> well, so some how people... Boston, the, the how are Boston? How are the New England Patriots a rival of somebody in Edmonton? Well, some people in Edmonton cheer for the New York Giants or the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins or the Buffalo Bills. The, the Buffalo Bills are a very popular team. They're in the same division now, as the Patriots. I will tell you that I've got, I'm starting to get along a lot better with the Calgary Flames alumni. We've done a bunch of stuff together. We're actually going to Yellowknife at the end of the month. Jamie McCowan and oh, nice. Sandy and myself and a bunch of guys. So it is a lot better, but if they started winning and got close to the cup, oh, I'd be sour. Uh, you know, it's funny because I had Jim Poplinski on the show a few weeks ago, and he said how much he hated Ken Linsman. But then when he got to know him in alumni and, and then those types of games, he said, wow, I really respect how hard this guy still continues to work as a hockey player, even though the games don't mean anything. Well, it's, there's two parts to that story. That <laughs> We were up in Fort McMurray. There was Joel Otto, um, Paplinski, 
and I think Hunter was the other guy, and there was Messier, Anderson, and myself, and we're out for dinner, and uh, somebody at the table says to Poplinski, like, do you still hate these guys? Like, what, you know, what's the story? And Pepper says, well, no, I mean, so many years have passed. Like, take Lummer, for example. I, you know, he broke my nose, and, and I've forgiven him for that. And I said, well, you were ragdolling Kenny Linsman. I mean, you deserved it. He said, not that time, the other time. <laughs> And my little voice inside me is going, I broke his nose twice. I broke his nose twice. How great is that? Which which flame irritated you the most when you played? Well, was the one, it Poplinski or? Poplinski, him and I went at it for some reason for about six years. And, and you know, like the fifth year, fifth or sixth year, he ran me after the whistle. And I, and there was a face-off down in, down in the far end. And he was at center. And, of course, I was a right winger. So the linesman's getting ready to drop the puck, and I just kind of put my stick on my, you know, the top of my shin pads, and I glided in to where the face-off circle is, and I said, Pepper, are we going at it again this year? He says, friggin' right. I said, all right, let's get her going. And again, another year, it just was relentless. You can't back down, though. Well, no. Now, the one guy that I didn't like, Tim Hunter, there was an icing call, and we were both gliding down through center ice at the saddle dome, you know, back to the end where the face-off's going to be. And I saw, and I should have known, you know, but it's partially my fault. And you can see the scar right here. He was to my left, got gliding back, and I saw him turn his head to look. There was only one referee at the time. And he just saw the ref wasn't looking, and he just gave me the backhand. And the shaft cut me under the eye for seven stitches. Down I went. And, and I was blaming myself. It's funny how I could blame myself right. for not paying attention, not knowing where I was and who was right beside me. So, See, that's interesting about that rivalry, the Battle of Alberta, is, I mean, look, you're always told when the puck's in play, keep your head up, you know, don't turn your back on a guy, don't go, you know, don't put yourself up. But you had to pay attention maybe more in between the whistles than you did when the puck was you in play. You had to pay attention 24-7 against those guys. I mean, we've, we've talked about it since, and, and we've... Everyone has said that it's. we're surprised that someone didn't actually get killed out there because people were not just trying to win. They were trying to maim and injure and, you know, put people in the hospital. That's how bad it was back then. When when that was going on in the 80s, could have you, I mean, you mentioned now you'd, you'll do alumni events with guys who played for the Flames. If there if there was an off-season charity golf tournament and there were Flames there, like, could have you civilly played a round of golf or signed autographs next to them? Back then? Yeah. No. Would have been too awkward. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was one a couple of years after I retired, and even that was awkward. I wasn't even playing anymore. Somebody was saying they were, Tim Hunter was over there and a bunch of other flames. Speaking of that, I went to um, to the Sutter's tournament, their golf tournament down in Viking, and we went. To, I went to a bar because that's where everybody was going, and I was going to go introduce myself. I think it was Brian that had invited me, and I went over to uh, there. They all were at one table, so I start walking over and one guy taps the other guy and says look who's coming and they all looked at me and the look they had on their faces I just turned around and went right back to the table I was at never met any of them I was scared to death Dave Lumley's in studio it's Inside Sports on 630 Chet we'll talk about the current edition of the Edmonton Oilers Kelly Rudy's going to join us as well at 630 if you have a uh, question or a comment for Dave you can text 630-630 we're back in a couple of minutes And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. There's Mark Latestu, Dave Lomley, former Oiler in studio. We were talking before the show came on. I love Mark Latestu. How come? Love him. He's just, well, he's an Alberta boy, right? Right. <laughs> there you go. I'm a Westerner now. 
Um, you know, it's funny. Early in the year, he was on the power play, and uh, I was up in the press box watching the game, and I, I was sitting beside a Winnipeg Jet scout who I'd met a few times before. And he looked at me when he saw the test two on the power play. And he says, how hard up are you guys to have him on the power play? I said, you just watch. You watch. He can hammer that biscuit. And he'll, he'll get a lot of points in the power play. And that's why I love him. I mean, he gets his nose in there. He's got a rocket for a right-hand shot, huh? What do you think? Well, first of all, it's funny a Winnipeg Jets scout said that to you because he has five goals against the Jets this season. And he was so intimidating to the Jets that he got Patrick Liney to shoot one into their own net. That he got credit for, remember? Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I could go on and on about Latesti because he works hard. And, and, you know, Rob Brown always says that if you're going to be a depth guy in the NHL, you better find a couple areas that you can really excel at. Now, Mark's faceoff percentage is a bit lower than where it's been in his career, but they still rely on him for that. And they can put him out there on the power play because he'll be in the right place. And now the shootouts, that didn't exist when, but he's over 40% in his career. Right. In I see him out there almost every shootout. Yeah. You have to bring something. You know, if you're a goal scorer and you're not scoring, you have to do something else. That's kind of been my, my beef with Everly, because if he's not scoring, what else does he do? Mm-hmm. You know? No, that's a fair... And he's such a talented player, and I don't... It, and it's not his fault. He looks like he's the incredible shrinking man out there. Not because he's getting any smaller, but everybody in the league every year is getting so much bigger. And then, you know, to... I don't know, he's just so small, but he can still dangle it, and it's not his fault. He's a talented, talented hockey player. Okay, so where does that... How difficult can that be for a player who's who's made the NHL or made his way through hockey being having skills A and B, and then maybe he gets to his mid-20s and those don't work as well? How realistic is it to expect a guy to learn skills C and D? I mean, where does it come from? Does it have to be the internal drive? Does it have to be the coaching staff? What has to happen? Well, if you're a, like a just a checking line winger, you can't learn to be a scorer. Right. But, I mean, you look at Nuge. Nuge was a scorer in junior. His whole career growing up, he was a, you know, a big point man. And then all of a sudden now, granted, he's making $6 million, and he probably should be scoring more, but he's a second, third line center now playing a defensive role so if the puck's not going in the net you better be good at that defensive role especially the money you're making yeah uh do you, do you like the uh, trade proposals or <laughs> that can happen in the offseason i don't, know how you I do don't it, think man. they do a big trade at the deadline i i can't see it i mean the salary cap is such an issue now it's tough to make any just straight hockey deals huh yeah so what so what do you think is going on it, it, i mean the the teammates they all know what each other is making and uh, no, you guys didn't have that. We never had that. Well, right near the, near the probably end, you, four you or five years to, into my career, yeah. When Paul Coffey found out that Scott Stevens in St. Louis was making a million a year, yeah. I think Coffey was making maybe two hundred. Cool. That's when it hit the fan. That's when everybody's salaries, when salary disclosure was out then. Well, and is that what? That's what led to the coffee dispute and then the trade, right? Yeah, that exactly. was Part of it, sure. Yeah. yeah, when salary disclosure became a fact. In reality, I mean, there are guys that were so sour that they, you know, well, let's think, look at Koff, 48 goals, and Stevens had like five, yeah, and he's making five times what Koff was making. And I that mean, was that was before Stevens became Scott Stevens, because he was, yeah. we remember more in New Jersey, right? Well, I think that was kind of a free agent signing, wasn't it? Isn't that how he got to St. Louis? I can't remember. From uh, well, wasn't he... Or he St. Louis first. I think he was St. Louis first, then and, then, New and then New Jersey, but yeah, because yeah, was he the compensation for... No, I'm thinking of something else. I can't else. remember what I had for lunch yesterday. But anyway, but anyway I remember that. It, well, I mean, what goes on in the dressing room between guys when, you know, a guy has scored, has been a top liner, and then he's second or third liner because other guys push him out of the way? 
Did, did, did they talk well, it's always the blackboard. It's always watching the blackboard when you go in for practice, and right. you know the next day. That's the deal. You know, in, in my time, it was always ninety nine seventeen. There's the center and the right winger. You know, Yari and Gretz, who's going to be left wing. And if we're good, things are going good, it was usually Semenk. And then the second lines are Mess and Andy and somebody Napier, or, and then you know I was usually the checking line and. So whenever, uh, whenever we had lost a couple, you knew the blend, uh, the blender was going to be at work, and as soon as staff or Sparky or somebody came in with, and started writing on the blackboard, the whole place was watching, and there was oohs and ahs, and you know, you'd see like number twenty on left wing with grads, ooh, and I'm going, yeah. How often did you get up there? <laughs> not very often. Not very often. Because you shot enough. right too, right? Yeah. 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 What was your best year? I printed up your stats. You had thirty-two. Thirty-two. In 66 I can still games. hear the crowd. Wind it up, Lummer. <laughs> <laughs> coast to coast, top shelf. Who was who were you on that uh, line that year? Oh, I think I think like four right wingers had to get hurt for me to play with Gretz. <laughs> you got pushed up in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that year. I, I I played with Gretz for a while, and um, and then you know I'd scored like 12 games in a row, and I would I would love to have been there the rest of my career. But Mess and Andy weren't going very well, and this is. This is one of the stories I tell when I'm out speaking at speaking engagements, like the businesses especially, or fundraisers. About uh, Glenn Sather comes to me and says, Lummer, we got to get Mess and Andy going. I know I'd, you'd love to stay on Gretz's line the whole year, but we got to get those two guys going. I want to put you with them. I said, absolutely, let's go. And then we ended up the year with some pretty good points, but then we're in the playoffs. He says, Lummer, we need Gang Green used to be the, the nickname for our checking line because we wore green right. jerseys okay. in practice. And okay. I nicknamed ourselves Gang Green. He says, got to get Gang Green back together because we need a checking line for like against Lafleur and the Canadians and Bossy and Trotchy and them. I said, absolutely, let's get her going. So that's how things can change so quickly in the NHL. It's whatever the team needs. Well, and you understand that though, right? Because you were that type of player where you're like, if I say, if the coach tells me to do a job and I say no or don't do it very well... Where's the twenty-year-old coming up from the minors that's going to boot me over, right? Yeah, and and Glenn Sather had a knack for knowing when you were going. Like that streak of mine was so magical, but even I could feel when it was starting to go away, and that's what I think he felt it too. Everybody could kind of see it, and you know, so the timing was perfect to go with Mess and Andy, and then they were going hot, and then the playoffs come. So he is a great coach. Love when, when did you realize? Uh, I mean, this might sound like a stupid question to people only re- who remember him as a great player, but when Messier came into the league, I mean, you didn't maybe didn't know. When, when did you realize, okay, this guy is something special? You know, to have seen him go from what he was when he first got to the Oilers to what he became, to what I think is one of the best, biggest, gr- greatest leaders in any sports history, is night and day. Like he was, he'd come to practice. He'd been up all night, or he'd been out the night before, and he's so pale. He never hit it well, right? You know, some guys might get flushed, and they might look like they've been in a, under a sun lamp. He was dead white, so everybody knew. And you know, missing flights, and there was a lot of stuff going on back then with Mess. But holy man, did he turn it around? And uh, he he scores fifty goals as left winger. Yeah, and then Slats puts him in center the next year. Like figure that one out, yeah, and then the rest is. And he wins the playoff MVP a couple of years, yeah, a couple and, years after that. And his career is like freaking. Beautiful. So it just came down to commitment, right? He just decided to to commit. Well, I think he had to, because he wasn't going to be playing anymore. Right. He was going to be sent down to the minors. Now, who knows what would have happened after that? But hey, 
it all worked out well, didn't it? Dave Lombley's in studio. You can text 630-630. I want to get to a few of those. Here's a, we, we got 15 seconds here. Uh, quick question for Lumber. This texter says, Dave Brown or Dave Semenko? I assume he wants to know who would win a fight oh. in their prime. Well, Sammy's my favorite all time. So. Right. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kelly Rudy's going to join us as well. That'll be fun. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. This is Oscar Kleffbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. I can tell you that we expect the CFL schedule out tomorrow, 630 Chad, the voice of your Eskimos and Oilers, so we'll have all the relevant updates on that on Inside Sports tomorrow night. The Oilers are off until Saturday when they host the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm Reed Wilkins, Dave Lumley is in studio. We're going to bring in Kelly Rudy here in a second. I want to update the NHL scoreboard. The Devils lead the Sabres 1-0 late in the second period. Same part of the game. Maple Leafs 4, Islanders 3. And the Blues up on the Flyers 1-0 late in the second period. Of course, uh, Dave, Ken Hitchcock let go uh, last week. You know Ken at all? Yeah, I do. He, great coach, but uh, he's got a shelf life. I think with every team, it seems like huh? guys just—he's so strict and he's got so many rules that maybe after two or three years, everybody just tires of him. He's got to move on. Doesn't help when you're having eight eighty eight eight eighty seven save percentage either. No, which was good when and you Jake played, Allen's but... out now, huh? Yeah, yeah. So that's done. that's going to be tough for them. Are we are we going to be able to connect with uh, Kelly here, Warren? Just in a second. Okay, right on. Uh, Dave Lomley's in studio. You can text six thirty six thirty. Um. We have a guy named Lumley Fan who texts in, so he's very happy that you're on the show. Wow. Uh, there's, one, there's only one. There's just the one guy. Yeah, he just called himself Lumley Fan. Uh, Jay says, I don't know what you'll think of this. He says, I'm wondering what Dave's thoughts are about the new concussion rules. So this is where the spotter can take you out of the game and you got to go sit in the quiet room and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's so different from when I played, huh? And I course didn't wear a helmet but it had no effect on me <laughs> so i don't know i mean i've seen some of the responses on guys when they're told to go to the room when they're you know every one of them would probably say the same thing i'm okay i'm okay i, I just let me play and uh well no player's gonna admit is he's no, injured and no one his will. bone is sticking out through. even then he probably wouldn't yeah i mean i i fell on my head and against the canadians in the playoffs one time and i i thought i'd broken my neck because my whole body went numb and, and I was knocked out and there's blood all over the ice. I got ended up getting 11 stitches and came out and played in the third period. But Peter Miller came out and asked my name. I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> Is there a little fuzzy? I'm going fuzzy wuzzy. It was a bear, wasn't he? And I had no idea what was going on. I came out and played in the third period. My good. Did you ever consider putting a helmet on? When I had the 11 stitches, I wore a helmet for two games and I never had more sticks up around my face than those two games in my life. Really? Yeah, there was a lot of respect back then. Interesting. Yeah. So I, in answer to your question, I think whatever helps, can it really hurt? They're only in there for, what, 10 minutes? They're either, they either have a concussion or they don't. Yeah, like McDavid left the game, uh, was it, in December against Minnesota, last six minutes of the second period, yeah. came back. Now, the argument is, well, what if he would have scored? And the well, what line, if, what if, know, right? we got Kelly Rudy on the line, our weekly guest on Inside Sports. Kelly, this is going to be fun. You've been uh, hearing Dave Lumley on the line. Dave was saying you guys last talked at the, uh, the, the outdoor game in Winnipeg. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, between periods. Remember, I was talking about if you patched up that five hole of yours yet. Because <laughs> it was cavernous when I played, man. <laughs> I love your stories about with Peter Miller there about the uh, the stitches and everything. Man, it brings back such memories, right? Oh yeah. 
There wasn't. A, there was a bit of an overlap for your careers. Uh, I guess probably mostly Oilers Islander stuff. Uh, did yep. you guys ever have any run-ins? No, I think well, the only guy that I, I speared in the throat you. was Billy Smith. I don't think I ever speared you, Kelly. Did it? Did I? <laughs> well, it was usually Billy Smith that got that assignment too. It wasn't until the latter part of uh, those days that I started get some of those uh, those uh, starts, which were, by the way, those were thrilling to me. I mean, you guys were the uh, the top of the uh, heap, and for me to get a start against you guys, and uh, everybody could score back then, right? You were scoring. Hunts was scoring, everybody. Samank. It was fun, fun hockey. Smank, of course, yep. Well, you were known as one of the nicer guys in the league, so nobody had any beef with you. But that Billy Smith with a stick swing, and everybody's after him. What, what was what, what was Billy like as a, as a, as a teammate, Kelly? I mean, was he difficult to to get along with, or was it totally different when you were on the same side? I'd say, on the contrary, I found him to be a fantastic teammate. He was, uh, even though I wanted his job, he was like one of my best friends. We'd go out for dinner all the time on the road and things. It was really amazing. The only thing is. Um, he was so competitive, and this was a real uh, compliment to him, that he he would fight me tooth and nail for my job. And, Dave, you know that. That's the, the best way to have competition, where guys are um, fighting each other for that same position because the team, they're the beneficiary. Everybody then has to play at their best instead of giving somebody a job, whereas they don't have to earn it. And I think in those cases, that, that by far is the better strategy. Absolutely, and as a you know, as a, a player playing out, you know, a non-goalie, to see goalies, you know, fighting it out like you're saying, like at practice, like Ronnie Lowe was one of the all-time hardest workers you ever seen. He didn't have the right. best talent, but he'd come out of yep. that practice soaking wet, and everybody had nothing but respect for him. You know, it's it's uh, int- yes, you know, you know, Kelly, and, and I know you're a big fan. Right? And I know you're a big yeah. fan of Chris Russell, and he told me a couple yep. weeks ago because I asked him about Talbot, and and he said Talbot. I mean, he doesn't let... I mean, I know goalies will all say this, but he goes, Talbot works so hard in practice and does not want to be scored on. He goes, we got to shoot yep. better just to get one goal in practice. And he goes, that helps us in the game. Absolutely. And I can give you another story about that, though, how sometimes it can affect the players. Um, Bob Warren told me uh, many years ago, it might have been about my second year on the Islanders, and he wasn't scoring much and his confidence was down. He said, you know what, Kelly? You know what's really bugging me? Our defense are so good that we have one-on-one drills that I can't ever beat anybody, so I've lost confidence in the games now. And it made sense. You know, when you had Denny Potvin and Thomas Johnson, Stefan Pearson, and all these other great defensemen, Dave Landron, it's not, it wasn't easy for those guys. And, and Dave, you must have had that, uh, those Oilers teams. I mean, the competition was so high that you personally had to be at your your premium best just in practice. Well, yeah, the odd time they'd throw Joey Moss out there in defense and practice, and we'd build up our confidence. Poor <laughs> 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 Joey. And Floyd Whitney in goal. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> How about his son? What a career Ray had, huh? 20-some years? Yep. Well, I just saw he had a retirement party in Phoenix. Uh, Graham Dillette was there. Um, what they call him? The Magic Man? Yeah. He was a stick boy for us when we were playing. Seriously, I mean, I remember when Ray first joined the NHL, and I had my doubts. I was like, geez, I don't know. He's he's pretty talented, not the biggest guy, but, you know, he willed it to happen. And he was highly skilled, and he just figured out how to play his own game. And, uh, like, what a remarkable career you said. It's unbelievable, really. Yeah, there were times when he was, I think he even thought he was just about done. I think right before he went to Carolina. 
and yeah. uh, bang, he ends up winning a Stanley Cup and ends up playing, I think, 22 years. His yeah, dad I think said that's what it was. That is yeah. not. Yeah, that's wow. something. Kelly Rudy, Dave Lomley joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Uh, Kelly, I got to ask you this, and, and Dave, same question for you. I'll start I'll start with Kelly. We, we, we watched the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, I mean, you know what? You know what? First of all, guys, I'll just throw this there. It was a. It turned out to be a close game. It actually, at no point, was it a really competitive game because Atlanta dominated for thirty-five minutes, and then New England dominated for thirty. It was never back and forth. It was right. just one team going. Kelly, but give us your uh, most uh, heartbreaking comeback against and your best comeback. Uh, four, and then Dave will do the same thing. Okay, but first I want to share my uh, Super Bowl story from you. My lasting memory of last night's Super Bowl, okay? So from now on, whenever I think of uh, yesterday's game, I'm going to think how my wife gave me heck after the game because I Oh, there's a shocker. A wife giving her husband heck. I was in Toronto after working Saturday, and I uh, had to spend the day there because I'm now in Pittsburgh for tomorrow's Flames games. Anyway, so I want to watch the first half in my hotel room, maybe some of the halftime show, and then go out and have a steak somewhere and watch the end of the game. But the, the third quarter started off so well. I thought, yeah, I'll stay a few more minutes. Well, I ended up staying in my room until after the game, which was 10.30 when I went out to have a big steak. And I told my wife, and she got mad at me on the phone for going out so late. So that's what uh, my living conditions are kind of like. So I have to uh, listen to headquarters all the time. Give me heck. Anyways... I'll move beyond that. Um, my, I guess my best comeback would have been my very first NHL game. Uh, Roly Melanson got pulled in Washington. I went in there at some point in the third. We're down 5-2. We ended up tying it 5-5. And then Bob Bourne accidentally scored on me. He tipped the puck in to make it 6-5 Washington. We scored a really late goal, and then Bob Bourne scored in overtime. So that, to me, it wasn't the most spectacular like wasn't a seven goal comeback or something but it was my first ever nhl game so i remember that and i gave up so many leads that i can't tell you which would be the (laughs) 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 i had so many big leads and and most of them all disappeared so i'm in the category like that well it's funny when you said five five it it brought to mind the miracle on manchester which was my right Oh my God! I mean, we were up five nothing and then five two. Yep. I think going into the third with five minutes left in the game, where I had five three, and I'll never forget Gary Unger took a stupid five minute high stick and penalty, and yeah. he scored two on the power play, and I've never forgiven him for that ever. And is it true, Dave, that you guys were booing the the Kings power play that game? No, 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 no. I don't know who came up with that. Don Cherry's losing I know, his mind. I, I mean, he's. I heard that, and I was like, I can't see the other team doing that. No way. I don't even know where that all started. And I think Cherry ran with it, and it's been gospel ever since when it's not even true. It sounds but, like right. that'd be a, a good way to motivate the other team <laughs> rather than. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember uh, in Minnesota the bar Eddie Webster's? Yo, of course. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're playing mini in the playoffs, and uh, it's 2-2, and I give Dino Cicerelli a little tap in the stomach. He goes down like he's been skewered. Huh? Like, yeah. So I get the yeah. five minutes for Spear, and, of course, you're in the box for the whole five, regardless how many they score. So when I yeah. went in the box in the second period, it was 2-2 tied. When I came out, at the end of the second, they were up 5-2. 
So I go in the dressing room, and I can see Slats coming after me. Here he comes. Yep. And I stood up. Yep. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got this. I've got this. So I stood up, and I said, guys, get me out of this mess, and I'm buying all yeah. the beers tonight at Eddie Webster's. Okay. We won 8-5. <laughs> no way. Yes, yes, absolutely. The power of beer. Disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> I know, saved my bacon. Bucks. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. That's another good question. Dino Cicerelli, uh, was he um, a known embellisher, or who were some of the best actors you guys might have played with or against? <laughs> yeah, he's one of the better Dino, ones. Dirt, yeah, Dino certainly was, but the other thing is he was uh, an elite goal scorer. Like, he... He would take a lot of shots. He'd take a lot of pain in front of the net. He, uh, man, that guy liked to score goals. He was uh, he was hard to play against. Yeah, he could dangle, and he was small. Yeah. But in front of the net was his uh, his playground, like kind of like Craig Simpson, but a different type of player. But Simmer was always right. in the front, not in front of the net. That's where he scored all yep. his goals too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So when you have a, a teammate though, who maybe might take a dive every now and then is that is that you know if he draws the odd penalty and gets you on the power play or you're like okay we'll live with that or did you ever say like look buddy like we know it might work every once in a while but long term you're going to get a bad reputation or you're embarrassing us is there ever that conversation well uh pretty tough for a goalie to dive but (laughs) well actually smitty did smitty did yeah yeah when I accidentally speared him in the throat, he just dove like crazy. <laughs> you <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> accidentally, yeah. Love it. Yeah. I don't know. There's a knack to diving. I mean, you can't you can't make it look right. so Some of the dives you see these days They're are bad. so obvious, it's it's embarrassing. But it, it, there's a real knack to it. If you can do it, I, th- I think it's all right. You can't yeah, overdo it, though. No. But if you can You can't overdo it, but, but at the right time, if it's done properly and... And the guy's an honest player. You'll get away with it. Yeah, he can't do it every game because then the refs get talking yeah, and then they you'll just, never yeah. get a call. Well, Claude Lemieux couldn't yeah. get a call at some points in his career, right? He's an idiot. That's Remember what that time he was hurt and Pat Burns <laughs> wouldn't let the trainer go out onto the ice? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, did Kelly, uh, Dave and I were talking about uh, an odd game for the Oilers yesterday, the, the rare double shutout. But Cam Talbot uh, gets the win. You know, the, these four games were interesting for the Oilers, Kelly. They came out of the break, and they, they got whipped pretty bad by, by Minnesota. Then they go on the road, and, uh, you know, I thought they checked pretty good for the most part. The offense isn't there, um, but, you know, Talbot just... Just always gives them a shot. Is, is do you just do you guys just look at that? That's the that's the ebb and flow of offense. Sometimes it just it, the goals aren't always going to be there. In today's hockey, especially, I think that uh, Dave's Oilers teams, I doubt would have gone through stretches like that for very long, simply because they were so talented and they were playing against teams that weren't so good defensively, and the goaltenders were the weak link back then. But I think in today's game, with the defensive structure and how good goaltending is. You could really find yourself, even if you're a great offensive team, going through a stretch of five or seven games where it could be pretty tough to uh, to hit the back of the net. It's, it's such a different game, right? Oh, it's totally different. But you know what? It, kind of going off on a tangent, I've, I've been go- taking clients to a lot of hockey, a lot of Oiler games lately. So I'm getting a chance to watch McDavid and some of the plays that he makes out there. And I'm, you know, yeah. you look at the guy sitting beside me, going, "Holy Mac, you see that? That was unbelievable." So taking my my name and my place in those teams of the '80s, take me out of the equation. What a yeah. thrill it had to have been for the fans in Edmonton to see that kind of hockey. What, McD- what McDavid does, maybe four or five yeah. times a game. 
You saw that from five or six guys every night with the Oilers for like 10 years. It must have been unreal watching those guys. Yeah, no question. It was fun even for me visiting teams. I mean, watching those guys and playing against them and and not knowing just how creative they're going to be on the next uh, play that they came down in your end. It was was, your mind. You had to be thinking perfectly every single game just to read a play. Kelly Rudy and uh, joining us on the phone, Dave Lomley in studio, Inside Sports on 630. Chet is 649. All right, uh, Kelly, we got to wrap up here quickly. Um, Flames, uh, so Flames play Pittsburgh tomorrow, and then they have their bye week. They are, they're, they're fighting for that wild card spot. Uh, and I know that game, I kind of saw the end of that Rangers game. Looked like a pretty wild third period. Where are the Flames at? How much of a threat are they to move up in the standings, do you think? Because I know it's nine points right now, but Oilers fans still worry. They're not used to being the team being chased. You know what? I'm unsure of the answer to that, simply because they're like a lot of teams. Um, If you would have asked me three weeks ago where I thought the Flames were as a team, I would have said, boy, I like them. I really like this team. Um, And then for about a week or maybe a little bit more, they went in this funk where they had no resolve. As, as their coach said they would crumble whenever anything bad would happen. It seemed as though like four games ago they kind of worked their way out of that. And so I'm still curious um, how this whole month of February is going to go. And, and I hope to have a better read on them at that point because it's, it's you know crucial times at that then. But I, I still don't know. I, sometimes, like I said, I just love this team. I think that they've got a lot going for it. And other teams, not so much. So, we'll see. All right. Well, I'm glad to connect with both you guys. Uh, I, I think, Kelly, you're still getting over the smell of Dave's 30-year-old skates <laughs> from the uh, Heritage Classic. <laughs> Classics, aren't they? <laughs> oh, my. Well, all of our gear stunk so bad, right? I know, and I never wore socks, so the mold is in there is freaking unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> There's a visual for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, good talking to you, Kelly. Kelly, enjoy Same, Pittsburgh, Dave. buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, see you, Reed. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Kelly Rudy checking in tonight. from uh, He's with Hockey Night in Canada and uh, NHL and Roger. Hey, Dave, can you stick around at the top of the hour just to wrap some Absolutely, things up? Then we're yeah. going to bring Gord Thibodeau in. It's Inside Sports on 630, Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630, Chet. Yeah, he's gold. Yeah, Philly Lindbergh. Killed in a Porsche car crash. Yeah, for the Philadelphia Flyers. You guys kind of had a rivalry with them, obviously. Um, Dave Lomley let me try on his uh, ring. One time I wandered into the wrong office and I recognized him. There you go. You let somebody try. Was that the police it. station or what? <laughs> ring. <laughs> wrong office. Shh, don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> Dave played uh, in Cold Lake for a charity game. Great guy. The stories he told were priceless. There we go. I love Cold Lake. I love going to towns in northern Alberta. And Those another, people are great. I, I won't use the exact uh, terminology in this text, but somebody is uh, doubting your beer story because they said you were would have been too thrifty. No, no. That's true. It, they, they have a point. <laughs> <laughs> but not in that case. Not in that case. No, Actually, not in that case. What was the name of the place in Minnesota? Eddie Webster's. Eddie Webster's is still yeah. there? I, don't I, don't know. Know. I, guess I haven't been back there in a long anymore. time. No. I'll have to ask uh, Bob and Jack. Yeah. <laughs> well, they all go to Tom Reed's sports bar, I think. Well, you know what? When I, um, when I was in Hartford and I told those guys down there I was going to retire uh, and then word got out and I was put on waivers and I was picked up by the Oilers, I met them in Minnesota and I walked into Eddie Webster's and all the oh, guys were in go. there. Yeah, in the peanut bar. <laughs> when you look at this, year, this year's edition of the Oilers, 
And I mean, you mentioned McDavid, but what's the what's the most important thing about them having a better year? Do you think? Oh, they're such a night and day team. I mean, they, there's they're much more exciting to watch. Let's put it that way. And they're they're kind of consistent in that you get a good effort every night. They're not getting blown out all the time, and they're fun to watch. But then they'll beat, like, say, San Jose and Anaheim. Then they go and lose to Arizona twice. You know, they beat Chicago, I think it was like 5 nothing one game. Yeah. And then they lose to a Carolina and a Toronto and a Buffalo. You, you just, you kind of know what you're going to get every night, but you don't know what the result's going to be every night, if that makes any sense. Yep. And I think they're they're better than a 500 hockey team. But I, I just can't wait for the playoffs. Eh? I just well, they these should fans be. Are, I mean, it's yeah, and it's the be players nice. are they're in for such a surprise with this town the way it is. Where, how confident are you in Talbot? Because I still get a lot of fans. Oh, he's going to no. break down. He's going to tire. I love him. Well, the glass half full is you know play every game. I mean, he can win them all. Right from the get go this year, he's looked so confident in his style. I mean, he's so relaxed and he, just his the way he plays. It looks like he can handle it. Now the glass half, half empty guy is going to say, "Yeah, but if he gets hurt, then what?" But well, you can say that about anybody. Everybody, right? exactly. What if what if McDavid gets hurt? Well, we're toast. Yeah. Well, what if Lucic gets, gets going? What if Crosby what, what gets if Everly yeah. starts scoring? You know, what if Nuge ends up getting 40 instead of, like, 12 goals? Do, do players do the what-if thing? Because most players I interview, they just they just deal with... No. That's a fan it's, thing. It is what it is. Yeah. If the guy's hurt, the next, next man up. Yeah. I think it's the same in every sport, isn't it? Yeah. But they don't sit there and say, well, what if we would have had this guy? No. Heck no. That's, I, I don't want to say all you fans are wrong, but you're wrong. <laughs> they well, don't think like that. It's a different experience. You're, you're doing right. your own job. You're worried about your, your job and what it's supposed to be. And if you do it right, then you should be successful. That's the way I look at it. I think that's the way everybody looks at it. Would you Would you have enjoyed a bye week like that? Well, okay, maybe enjoyed is the right, <laughs> wrong word. Because well, players like breaks, but is this is this too much to have five days off? You, you love it while you're going through it. But then when you have to go, you're on the goal lines the next time back, and you're end-to-end, blue line, red line, blue then that's when you hate it. Yeah. So it's kind of a six-one, half-dozen the other. Do you expect... Five other... days, plus the All-Star break. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. So did you expect, and plus they're playing Chicago, but do you expect Saturday's game to be difficult just because they had that break? Like, will the break be a factor well, in that, that game? That, see, if I was a betting, I was going to say, I wouldn't want to be a betting man and bet every night on the Oilers. They could come out and just look like they'd have no legs. It'd be terrible, but the last time they played Chicago, I think they beat them five nothing. Exactly, five un- yeah. you just I can't figure them out. So it could be whatever. Tell people what you're up to now, these days, Dave. Besides being oh, on the radio, geez, we're playing a lot of charity hockey games. I'll tell you that we've been all over northern Alberta. But I'm working for a company called Serve Pro Southside. It's a restoration company. If you have any. Flood, da- water damage, mold, fire damage. We were up in Fort McMurray most of the summer. We killed it up there. So if you have any damage or mold, asbestos abatement in your house or Was that your tough business, to see that? Was that tough yeah, to see Fort Yeah, those back? firemen saved that town. Yeah. It was... So, uh, Surf Pro Southside, I'll bring the beer. I won't do the work because I don't want to ruin these 50 goal scorer hands. <laughs> so you and I will have a beer and watch the, the crew work. So give me a shout. Dave, thank you so much for coming in. I love having you on the show. I hope we can catch up again soon. My pleasure, Reed. Take care. That is former Edmonton Oiler Dave Lomley. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. The winningest coach in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Gord Thibodeau, is up next. 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.